Ladies and gents, my name is Brandon Stover. Welcome to the How to Solve Climate Change course from Plato University. Causes, systems, obstacles, solutions to this global challenge is what you're going to learn here today. When you're ready to learn more skills, join us for free at Plato.University. Let's get started with today's lesson. We'll have our expert guests briefly introduce themselves and their credentials for why they are able to speak to this topic. I'm Dan Farber, and I teach at Berkeley Law School. I have taught and written about environmental law for my entire career. I'm also the director of Berkeley's Center for Law, Energy, and the Environment, which is focused on practical solutions to environmental problems such as climate change. And we have a whole crew of researchers working on looking at policies and strategies that could uh, work and that are feasible and uh, get the job done. Can you explain uh, for people that may not realize what a policy is and how it works? Well, policies can take different forms. Uh, for example, uh, Congress can pass laws or the state legislature can pass laws. Agencies can issue regulations. Policies are sometimes mandates and requirements. Uh, sometimes they're incentives. What they have in common is that they're efforts to find levers for changing behavior, not just for one or two people, but across a whole industry or in the case of climate change, really across the entire economy. Why would politics and policy impede us from creating solutions or overcoming climate change? Well, there are a couple of things that we need to do. We need to use regulations and economic incentives to transition away from fossil fuels to clean energy so we can stop emitting the greenhouse gases that are warming the planet. And we need to get ready for changes that are already baked into the climate system, which is going to mean lots of changes from and policies from higher levees and seawalls to better wildfire responses and a lot more. So how do politics and policy potentially get in our way? Well, on the politics side, we've got two big problems. One is the influence of people with big economic stakes in producing the fossil fuels that are the heart of the problem. That's oil companies, but it's and coal mining companies, but it's also utilities that have invested in certain kinds of generation using fossil fuels. It's people who work in those industries and naturally are worried about their jobs and so forth, right? This has been an important part of our economy and the way we live. And changing it is not going to be easy. And the people who are going to be the most resistant are those uh, who have the biggest economic stakes. So the, the Exxons and Chevrons of the world. And they know that, and they are, in many cases, finding hard to prevent change because it would affect their bottom line. The other political problem we have is that many people, unfortunately, have bought into the idea that climate change is somehow fringe science, that it's something that's been kind of made up, or it's a hoax. And none of that is true. Climate change has been the subject literally of thousands of research papers, 
by scientists in many different disciplines, from geology and meteorology to biology, engineering, and chemistry. It's been the subject of papers by, as well, outside of the sciences, economists and law professors and many others. But people have gotten hold of the wrong end of the stick on this, and we somehow need to get them to understand that this is a reality and that closing your eyes is just not going to help. You know, Mother Nature will do what she will do regardless of whether we find it convenient in terms of our own view of the world. On the policy side, we're talking about big challenges. We have spent decades building an energy system around coal and natural gas for producing electricity, around gasoline and diesel for our transportation system. Uh, and it's not going to be easy to change all that. And unfortunately, we've used up a lot of the time mm -hmm. could have been making changes fighting with each other instead. So we now have only maybe 20 years left to make a lot of really major changes in the system. And the policies to support the use of fossil fuels are embedded in the system. Those have to change. We need new policies. Um, and we're going to have all kinds of problems, not just at the top, you know, sort of national policy level of do we want to move toward solar and wind power, for example, but all the way down to the nitty gritty of where we're going to put these things? What about zoning? What about the rules for interconnecting power sources onto the grid? What, a, you know, a, how are we going to manage to ensure the logistics and not be dependent on foreign suppliers we can't count on? All of that has to be worked out at the same time. So it's not, it's not just a matter of deciding we to do the right thing at some kind of very high general level. There are just policy challenges all the way down to, you know, the very local or even neighborhood level. One of the things that's helping is that the scientists have come up with new technologies like the much cheaper batteries that will store power at a cost that is, in some cases, just a, a fraction of what it was even 10 years ago. And what that means is that the economics are really moving in the right direction. So I think there's some encouraging signs, but there's really a lot of work that needs to be done on both on the political side and the policy side. It often takes a long time for policy to change. And you're we're mentioning that our time limit for that has shortened and we don't have much time to do that. Why is it important to address these changes that need made? There are a lot of problems where it's bad if you put off the solution, but you can fix it later, right? So in the meantime, you might have a lot of harm, but eventually you'll be able to fix it. One of the big problems with climate change is that carbon dioxide, which we produce at the megaton level, from cars and power plants and factories and so forth. It stays in the atmosphere for up to 200 years or more. And that means that once we put it up there, 
it's going to be there for a long time. We have a very limited capacity to remove carbon dioxide, and, and the plan is to do what we can, but it's clear that the amount that we put up there far surpasses what we could hope to remove. And what that means is that if we delay, we will end up, even if we brilliantly fix the problem 20 or 30 years from now, in the meantime, we will have made the problem much worse, hmm. not only for the 20 or 30 years, but for, you know, centuries, literally. So, so we really need, contrary to the way the world works, we really, or often works, we really need to, to move quickly at this point. As I said, that's partly because of delay. We, we spent, we didn't really get that much done from, I don't know, 1995 to 2015 or so. And, um, and now we got to make up for lost time. How might we mitigate or eliminate some of these obstacles that you're speaking of and be able to move quicker as we're speaking? On the political side, changing people's, you know, changing hearts and minds is not an easy task. And I can't say I know the answer to that. It's, it's not, you know, it's, I, I'm not a psychologist or, you know, a, um, a communications expert. Uh, but we definitely need those to be thinking about how do how do we get people um, to think about this problem in a more rational way than sometimes been the case. We also need people to just get out there and do the work of making it matter politically. You know, working with city council members all the way up to members of Congress being involved politically. And I, I, I think I, I want to emphasize this is not just on one side of the political spectrum. We really need conservatives to get involved in this issue, which some have been, but this is not an issue that should be left, right. This is a, this is just a problem our society has to cope with. And if, if conservatives get involved, we might end up with solutions they like better. Uh, and if it's all left to the liberals, but we really need that. Uh, we, you can't have just half the population solve the problem. On the policy side, there's just so much to do, right? Um, and some of it's starting to happen in Congress. We've, you know, we have big parts of the government and state government too that are making policy to try to move the transition. And one one thing that. I think a lot. I think a lot of people tend to think of this as just a, a national problem or an international one, but state governments and even city governments have been very active, and renewable energy has been something with support in a lot of places, and not just on the coasts. The biggest producer of wind power in the country is Texas, and the other big producers include Iowa and Kansas. And, um, you know, there's a lot of solar power in various parts of the country. And part of that is because of state legislatures being willing to put some support in terms of policy behind, behind these expansions. And we need more of that. And, you know, like all the way down to the, 
like city level where you have questions about whether the zoning allows rooftop solar or where are you going to be allowed to locate charging stations? What are some of the best resources for learning about politics and policy in relation to climate change? So I'd recommend two environmental blogs. One is called Grist and one is called Legal Planet and a podcast called Climate Break. Um, And what these all have in common is that they all try to engage with issues that are current um, and to point towards solutions. You know, I think there are a lot of sites you can look at where people are just sort of waving their arms around and yelling. And I, I don't think I don't, I don't blame them at all for doing that, but I think that's not going to give most people the information that, that they're looking for. The two, just in case people want to look for them, the blogs are grist.org, G-R-I-S-T, and legal-planet.org. And the podcast is climatebreak, all one word, of course, .org. Right now, you're speaking to passionate students who want to actually solve problems like these. What top three skills should they study so that they actually have the ability to do so? This is such a broad problem that, that, you know, there are many, many different skill sets that could apply. But for people, I think a sort of basic thing is learn about the problem, learn about climate science. You don't have to get all geeky about it, but you got to understand the fundamentals to know what we're contending with. And learn something about clean energy and and the opportunities that that could give our society. On the policy side, climate policy is made in towns, cities, states, and the federal government. Learn how the political system works and what you can do. Sometimes policies are really influenced by the private sector. So, you know, that's something else to think about is how can, you know, corporations help move the policy debate or make their own contribution to fixing the problem. And as I said, I think there are many skill sets, you know, scientific stuff, engineering, economics, law. But I think the most important skills, and this is true of so many things, is communication, learning how to write and speak clearly and persuasively because if you're going to make change happen, you, you know, one of the things you need to do is be able to communicate both to some people who might support you and to the public uh, about what you're trying to do and why. Any final recommendations for the audience? Get involved. If you're a college student today, uh, this is going to impact you throughout your entire life. We used to think that some of the projections to 2100 were purely science fiction, but given increasing life expectancies and stuff, you know, you could be around then. And if you're not around then, you're likely to be around in like the 2080s. And again, where if we don't do something, the rubber's really going to be hitting the road and you're going to really be living a much more precarious life if we don't do something about climate change. Getting involved now can make a big difference, you know, for you, your whole generation, and for generations to follow. And the longer we wait, the harder things are going to be, and the worse the consequences are going to be. There are a lot of things you can do. I mean, one is just 
One of them is just make your voice heard. And that doesn't have to be some big media thing or anything like that. That's hard for people. It can mean write a letter to your legislator or Congress, the person in Congress. They really pay attention to those. You know, if you're using social media, I'm sure many uh, listeners are much more adept at that than I am. And that's obviously a way where you can reach people and communicate about these problems and about possible solutions. You know, show up for meetings. It's probably not most people's idea of a fun activity, but if you go to a city council meeting, they're not really used to having that many people in the room. Mm. And so if you're there, you have the opportunity to say something and you have an opportunity to help influence the way the way things are done. You can also kind of push the needle by, you know, thinking about what you're buying to send a message to companies that, you know, aren't, are or aren't doing the right thing. Or if you've got money to invest, obviously that's a, a different kind of lever. So you don't have to start off with going on some, t- I, great if people want to sort of dedicate themselves at a high level to, to this issue. Wonderful. But people shouldn't feel that it's either go all the way in and make it your passion, consuming passion or do nothing. There are a lot of things that are not heavy lifts. Oh, and college students, colleges use a lot of energy. They, you know, do a lot of other things that involve greenhouse gases. Take a look and see what, you know, what's going on there. So I think there are a lot of, a lot of possibilities that are really very feasible for people and good ways to start getting involved in the issue. So my ask is don't delay. Mm-hmm. Get involved now. To sink your teeth into this topic, choose a recent climate policy or agreement like the Paris Agreement of Local Climate Action Plan in your area and analyze its objectives, strategies, and potential impact. Reflect on how political considerations influence the policy decisions. Thank you for taking the How to Solve Climate Change course. If you want to learn the skills to solve this global challenge, join us for free at Plato.University for exclusive content, extra resources, and actionable exercises with every lesson. This course was produced by Plato University, where students turn passions into purpose and learn skills to change the world. Learn more at Plato.University.